Forgive me while I get my Dr. Stanley stool adjusted. And by the way, some of you may have read or heard the news that Brother Charles, Dr. Charles Stanley has retired as pastor of the First Baptist Church of Atlanta. So uh, I don't know if that's telling me anything or not. Uh, but uh, anyway, we will see. Um, and uh, you look all bright and cheerful. Um, if I don't look bright and cheerful, it's because this morning, we, we always set the alarm clock at 6.30 for Sunday morning to get up so Barbara will have time to do all the cooking and everything she needs to do and so forth. This morning, it went off at 5.30, and um, I'll blame it on Steve and Belinda because uh, I have two alarm clocks that are identical. They're these atomic clocks that have a hook to a satellite, and they adjust automatically to the correct time. Well, I set the alarm for 6.30, and it went off at 5.30. And for some unknown reason, one of those clocks has not readjusted from daylight savings time to what it is now. So uh, that last hour, you know, I didn't want to turn the light on so I could reset the alarm to, to 6.30. So I said, I'll just lay down and I'll kind of sleep lightly. Well, every few minutes I was awake looking at the big digital clock that we got on the chest over there. And uh, so I didn't get that last hour of sleep. And so if I look a little cross or out of sorts this morning, that's the reason. Uh, but uh, I hope that God's word, uh, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do with um, this. Um, and uh, I, once again, I want to uh, say I really appreciate Caleb. Uh, he's going to be changing the slides this morning. So, uh I, I trust that God is going to, to speak to our hearts through his word. And uh, we're going to begin with reading the scripture from Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to read verses 28 through 31. Uh, last week we looked at the earlier parts of this chapter. And uh, I hope that uh, these um, verses will be a blessing to you. Would you stand with me as we read Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail, fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm going to ask Brother Dennis Adams if he will to lead us in another word of prayer.
give us so freely. And now, Lord, open our eyes to see wonderful things in your law. Reveal to us your message, your, your word to us this day, through our pastor, through your word. Amen. You may be seated. This is one of my favorite scriptures, especially in the Old Testament. And uh, it's been a blessing to me down through the years. And as I was preparing to preach this week, I ran across a sermon outline, well, an outline at least, uh, that uh, on one of our furloughs back from Taiwan, we were visiting a church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and um, the pastor's son was, they were having his uh, Eagle Scout ceremony, and they asked me to, to bring the message, and this is the message I used for that, and I don't remember Jonathan's Eagle Scout ceremony I remember I had some part in it, but I don't remember exactly what. Maybe I read this scripture. I don't know. But it's a, it's a great uh, verse of scripture, and uh, I trust that it will be a blessing to our hearts this morning. And as we consider this, the main thing I want us to key in on is waiting on the Lord, because um, everything that God, through Isaiah, inspired us, the mount up with wings of eagles, running not be weary, walking not faint, all of these things are based on being able to wait on the Lord. And uh, the background of this passage, uh, as we read verses 1 through 39 of Isaiah, uh, there are chapters that are filled with the judgment of God against the sins of Judah and of Jerusalem because they had gone after uh, worship other gods and so forth, <clears throat> and uh, but uh, and, and the prophecy was that they were going to be led into captivity for seventy years. But in uh, chapters forty through sixty-six, <clears throat> it is such a difference, such a contrast that there are many people, so-called scholars and so forth, <clears throat> that. Uh, say that there's such a contrast that it could not have been written by the same person, that uh, there's two authors to, to Isaiah. Well, I don't agree with that uh, because God inspired Isaiah, and Isaiah was a great prophet of the Lord, and, and God used him greatly. And so, uh, but in these prophecies from uh, chapter 40 through 66, uh, God gives uh, prophecies of comfort and hope and deliverance for God's people. And uh, in this passage we've just read, um, it's a beautiful passage of comfort. And uh, God's people must always wait upon him for deliverance. And uh, sometimes we don't understand why God wants us to wait and keeps us waiting for that deliverance and that uh, that glorious passage, but uh, we'll know one perhaps one of these days when we all get to heaven. But uh, God, uh, God's people must wait upon Him, and uh, when God's time arrives, 
then our deliverance is sure. And so as I've looked through this passage, I see five things. The, the, I've got five points to the sermon this morning. Um, uh, the first one is the foundation to all the rest. That's talking about waiting on the Lord. And then the other four will be building on that and so forth. And I trust that God will uh, bless these words to our heart. And so beginning with point number one, wait on the Lord. And he says, those who wait on the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. And by the way, I'm wearing my uh, eagle, mount up with eagles tie today. So just, just for y'all. Um, and so what is the Lord saying to us from this past, this phrase? Well, the Hebrew word for wait here in the Brown Driver Briggs Old Testament lexicon says it means to wait or to wait for, but the, the word originally meant to twist, to stretch, then of the tension of enduring and of waiting. If you can imagine in your mind if we had a, a rope up here, and we had uh, uh, Christopher on one end of the rope and Steve on the other end. And Christopher's turning, twisting the rope this direction and Steve is twisting the rope the opposite direction. What's going to happen to the rope? It's going to increase the tension. And it's going to get tighter and tighter and, and harder and harder. And so that is what God is teaching us. That through the trials and problems and difficulties of life, uh, it's, it's like that rope inside of us that the tension is getting tighter and tighter and worse and worse till we sometimes think that we can't stand it. But who are we to wait for? He says, wait on the Lord. This is, of course, the Hebrew is Yahweh. The covenant name of God, the God who spoke of his special relationship with his people. And uh, so in uh, last week's sermon, we spoke on the subject, Behold Your Incomparable God. And uh, so in verse 28, he kind of gives us a summary of all of that. He said, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? I hope that's a description of your God, the God you believe in, the God you worship. He is certainly the everlasting God. He is everlasting from time past unlimited to time to the future unlimited. He is also the creator of the ends of the earth. And by the way, I I mentioned last week that uh, I had... Uh, I showed you some slides of one of the main gods that's worshipped in Taiwan. Uh, his name is Guan Gong or Guan Yu. He goes by different titles. Uh, and I told you that I had a an, one of his images that I used many years ago in 1966 when we came home from Taiwan for our first furlough. Um, I went down to the god shop, the god store. And uh, 
I bought two of these images. One is the image of Guan Gong, and the other is the image of Guan, Guan Yin, who is otherwise known as the goddess of mercy. They're about this tall. Uh, they're highly decorated with gold and jewels and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you can go down to the God store and buy your own God. And uh, what Isaiah was comparing us to is teaching us that those gods are worthless. They're helpless. They can do nothing for us. So the question is, why do we wait? Why do we wait for our God? Now, I can tell you that uh, the people in Taiwan who worship those idol gods, they believe that those gods can give them wealth, give them prosperity, give them many, many different things. And uh, anytime they have a major decision in their life, they're going to their God, to the temple, and they're praying and they're worshiping and they have different ways. I don't have time to go into it this morning, but how they, how they pray and, and seek their God's will. But you and I have a God who is everlasting, who is the creator of the ends of the earth. And so anything that we desire to ask of him is a small matter for our God. Why do we wait for him? Verse 28, because he neither faints nor is weary. God doesn't have to take a nap like I do. Uh, God doesn't uh, get tired. He doesn't run out of patience because he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. You talk about the wisdom of God. God knows all things. He is omniscient. And so his understanding is unsearchable and because Verse 29 says he gives power to the weak. You know, sometimes I, I know we uh, go through difficult times where we, we feel weak. We feel helpless. We feel like we've come to the end of our rope. I mean, the, that rope has gotten so tense and tight, we feel like we can't stand it any longer. But our God gives power to the weak. It's in those times when we need particularly to go to God, to wait on him, to wait for his time, and to wait for his will. And so the difficulties of life, those who don't wait, and there are plenty of people in this world, even among Christians, who have this word of God that says, wait upon the Lord because he is our everlasting God, because he is our creator, because he neither faints nor is weary, because he gives power to the weak. But the twisting and the stretching, the tension of life and waiting to attain goals becomes too much. They become impatient with God's timetable impatient with God's plan. They make their own timetable. They make their own plan. And what usually happens, well, I'd say usually always happens when we do it our way instead of God's way, instead of waiting on God for his timing, it always ends in disaster. Now, waiting is 
always difficult. And there's few of us that enjoy waiting for different things, different goals in life, uh, different situations. We feel like we just can't handle it anymore. But God says, wait on the Lord, because we know him. Even though it's in difficult, it's difficult, we don't enjoy waiting. And we live in an instant society today. People have come, become accustomed to getting what they want immediately, both in physical things and otherwise. Some Bible examples of people who weren't willing to wait. And I thought of Moses. You remember Moses? He grew up in the palace of the Pharaoh of Egypt as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And yet, as he grew up, he knew that he was one of the Hebrews. Moses was God's chosen instrument to lead his people out of Egypt. But Moses got impatient. He decided to take matters into his own hands. And he killed one of the Egyptians. And as a result, we all know that Bible story. As a result, disaster. It meant that he had to flee for his life. It meant that he had to spend another 40 years in the wilderness of Midian. Then I thought of Sarah. You know, God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he was going to give them a son, the son of promise, the son who would carry on that great tradition of faith. But Sarah got impatient. And so she came up with this scheme so that they could have a son. Not the son of promise that God was going to give, but the son of their own making. And it ended up again in disaster. And then getting closer to our scripture today, King Hezekiah. You remember the political situation at uh, that particular time. Uh, you had uh, uh, the Babylonians from the north and the e Egypt from the south, and you had some of these other little countries, and they were, uh, King Hezekiah was entitled to join the pro-Egyptian party and uh, therefore thought that they, they could solve their political problems by joining Egypt with some of these other countries. And um, I said Babylon, it uh, was Assyria. Um, and uh, Isaiah came to him and said, wait. Wait on the Lord. Wait for God's timing. Trust in the Lord. Isaiah 30, verse 15 says, Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and confidence shall be your strength. But you would not. And so that is the problem that so many of us have. We don't want to wait. 
We don't want to wait on God's time, God's plan, God's will for our lives. Some everyday examples that we might talk about, uh, you know, uh, in the time of my, my parents, when they got married, they had nothing, uh, really. Uh, they started out their married life in a one-room small house, one-room house, that uh, was on the property of my great-grandfather Turner. And after a few years, uh, they moved up to a two-room house, and so on and so on. Anyway, I'll, I'll not uh, take the time to tell you my whole family history. But uh, so many today want in three to five years what it took our parents 30 or 40 years to accumulate. I think of the example of many athletes. Um, that uh, resort to the use of steroids to make them stronger, make them better, make them faster so that they can excel. The problem is that's against the rules. And, uh, but they're not willing to go through the hard grind of daily practice to be the athletes that they could be. I think of pastors who want to build instant churches. When they have failed after two years, they moved on. In fact, the average uh, pastorate uh, lasts about a year and a half to two years, uh, which is a sad, uh, sad reality for the, the, the churches of America. Um, and uh, I don't know, uh, but, but we have to learn to wait. I remember, and again, this is getting into, into my family history. Um, Steve's a bad example. Uh, no, I'm just kidding, Steve. Uh, but um, my parents, when they sold the farm up north of Aspermont, Texas, they moved down to the town of Anson, Texas, and and uh, bought a house. And they attended the church that was the Northside Baptist Church there in Anson, which had previously, when it was first started many years before, was the Corinth Baptist Church halfway between Anson and Stanford. And um, my grandpa Thornton had been the pastor of that church, and my uncle Ray Turner, who was the one who uh, baptized me when, when I was saved, had pastored the church. At any rate... Um, when my parents moved to Anson, joined the church, and uh, they had a pastor, I, I won't give you his name, his first name was Jimmy, and uh, Jimmy was in a hurry to build a big church, and so what did he do? They had a, an auditorium that was as big as ours, uh, and uh, but he that wasn't good enough for Jimmy. He wanted more, and so he got the church to go and buy a plot of land up just north of there, and uh, got the church deep, deep, deep in debt. So deep in debt that they couldn't make the payments. And so all of the people who had uh, joined Jimmy in doing all of this. 
they left and that left a struggling few, my parents included, to make those payments to pay the debt, all because a pastor couldn't wait. He didn't have the patience to wait. And then, getting closer to home, I, I thought about missionaries who go to the field, a foreign field, where they don't speak English. Um, and our experience is going to Taiwan. And uh, for us, it was a grueling two years in language school. And that was just the start. You just skimmed the surface of learning the language after two years. But, but at least you, you've got it good enough that you can get up and give a testimony and preach a simple sermon. But a lot of missionaries don't have the patience to wait, to go through that grueling struggle of learning a foreign language. Now, fortunately, some people have more gift in learning language than others. But, uh, and and, uh, I thank God that he gave us the patience to wait and uh, that even today, in fact, on the last uh, Saturday in November, I'm going to have the privilege of speaking to the Chinese congregation over in the, uh, the senior citizens congregation over in Louisville. But learning to speak a language is not easy. <laughs> and uh, another family story, my younger brother, um, working on his master's degree at Texas Tech, and he just, he decided to minor in Spanish. And uh, he enjoyed it so much that he switched his major to Spanish. But then he went down one summer to Mexico and was staying with one of our missionary families down in Mexico. And, and one day my brother came in from being out on the street And um, he went into his room, fell on the bed, just crying, boo-hooing. And uh, the um, missionary's wife, whose name was Olome, which is the same name as my mother, that's easy for me to remember. But she went into the room there with him and said, what's wrong? And my brother said, I've studied all this Spanish and I go out on the street and nobody can understand me. Well, um, that happens frequently. We had a friend named Richard. He and his wife went to Taiwan as missionaries and he studied the Taiwanese language for one year and he couldn't say a single word that a a Taiwanese person could understand. So he said, I made a mistake, so I'll switch to the Mandarin language. And um, lo and behold, after a year, he still couldn't speak a sentence that the Chinese could understand. So he said, I've made a mistake, and they went home. Well, uh, that's the sad reality, but we need to learn to wait. And uh, 
I know that uh, those who do wait will be rewarded. Waiting on God is waiting in hope. Last week, uh, Brother Steve talked to us about hope. Hope is, is faith in the reality of what God is going to do for us. Waiting in hope. And I love that scripture in Titus 2.13. Looking for that blessed hope in the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. That's our hope. We know that God is going to reward us. Waiting on God is joyous waiting. God is absolutely good and gracious. And always gives us what is best for us. God's promises are always true and faithful. And God is faithful to fulfill his promises if we'll just be willing to wait. God is able to fulfill every promise. So waiting on him is always worth the wait. And again, some Bible examples. Moses endured 40 years in the wilderness. Tending some mangy sheep of his father-in-law. He was used to palace life in Egypt. He was not used to the life of a common shepherd. But then, after 40 years, God's time finally arrived at the burning bush. And God revealed to himself, to Moses, and commissioned him to go back and lead his people out of Egypt, back to the promised land. And then I thought of the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great scholar in his own right as far as the Jews were concerned. He had studied at the, the feet of Gamaliel, one of the foremost Hebrew scholars. I, I would say that... Uh, Paul had the equivalent of a Ph.D. degree in theology. And God saved him by his marvelous, miraculous, powerful grace as he went on that road to Damascus. Now, the natural in inclination for Paul and for most of us, we want to immediately go out and do a great work for God. But instead, God sent Paul into the Arabian desert for three years. And God taught him the lessons that he wanted him to learn that would be profitable for him throughout the rest of his ministry until God took him home. Well, this sermon's getting longer than I, I intended for it to, to be, but uh, I, I want us to look at the second point. These other points will be a lot faster. I want us to notice not only wait on the Lord, but look at the grace exchange. He said, they shall renew their strength. That's in verse 31. The phrase translated, they shall renew their strength, properly means they shall exchange strength. The Hebrew word for renew means exchange. And so that is the lesson that you and I can have and can learn from God's word. Um, is that 
even though we are totally inadequate. We are weak and helpless, and we come to the end of ourselves so frequently. And yet, God says, I will exchange my power, my strength, my grace for your inadequacies, for your helplessness, for your weakness. That is what the business God is in. 2 Corinthians verse chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Do you see the exchange there that Paul is talking about? Uh, now, we had <laughs> another friend in Taiwan. He was sent over there by the Southern Baptists to, uh, uh, to minister to. We had about 5,000 U.S. Uh, military personnel there stationed in the city where we lived. And uh, he was sent over there to minister to those people, those American military. And um, his name was Lou Miller. And uh, Lou was a great preacher, a, a great person who believed in the truth of God's word and who expounded it verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And, and one of the things that he talked about was hey, almost every sermon he would, he would talk about swapping out with Jesus. That you and I are going to come to the, our end of our abilities and our power and our strength. But what do we do when that time comes? Lou Miller would say, you swap out with Jesus. You just turn it over to him to let him, as Paul said, uh, uh, Paul had, had this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly for sure what it was, but it made Paul feel like he just couldn't go on. And, but, Paul's, uh, but God said, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul said, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Well, examples like that are throughout the Bible. I thought of David. And uh, you, we all know David's terrible sin. Uh, and he talked about it in Psalm 51 and he prayed there in that psalm, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. And so uh, God's power and love is ready to make the exchange for us at any time. The grace exchange. My grace is sufficient. Trust me, believe in me, wait on me, and you'll have the desires of your heart. Well, I'm going to skip on down to the, the third point, flying high because of grace. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I love that phrase, that poetic sound to that, and the reality and the truth of it. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. This speaks of victory. The eagle, as it soars high into the sky, where the air is pure, where the vision is clear, where the beauty is without question. 
we can see God's provision and God's wonder and God's blessings. And so you and I are waiting on God. And I thank God that, you know, uh, you'll forgive me, Adam's family, but uh, Francis, the Georgia peach, was always such a blessing to us because in her youth, she knew a lot of scripture and she knew a lot of songs and hymns by my memory. And even though her mind was fogged and clouded by age, yet when she was here and Elaine would sit beside her and as we sang these hymns and Francis would sing right along with them. Now, Francis has truly mounted up with wings as eagle's wings, gone into the very presence of the Lord, flying high because of grace. That's what we can count on. Paul talked about it in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You see that grace exchange? I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm unworthy. I'm helpless. I'm undone. But God has opened up the windows of heaven. Grace. Grace. Greater than all my sin. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. The grace exchange. And then point number four. Running for the finish. They shall run and not be weary. They're waiting for God's timing. Running and not be weary. Like a running runner in the starting blocks. When the guns goes off, they instantly accelerate toward the finish line. If they leave too soon, they're going to be penalized. If they wait after the starter's gun... They're going to lose because they'll still already start the race several steps behind. But if we wait on God's time, you're in the starting block, you're ready to go, and as soon as you hear that starter's gun go off, you accelerate to the finish line, running for the finish. And we want to finish the race we want to give honor and glory to our God and over in Taiwan we lived in the central city of Taichung and our children attended Morrison Academy and two of those 
former students of Morrison are here today, Judy and Belinda. But uh, <clears throat> athletics was a part of the school life. And uh, they had track competition. Our biggest competition was with Taipei American School up in Taipei and we're the, down in the center of the island. But <clears throat> you've all heard us talk about the Bateman family. The oldest Bateman child is John. He lives in Arlington now. But in one of those track meets, there was this family of, uh, had, was it five or six boys, the Dwights? Six. Six sons. And they were all good athletes. Well, John Bateman made up his mind at the track meet that year that he was going to beat the Dwight boy. They were both running the 400-meter race. And John was so determined. I mean, he ran that race just to the limit of his ability. And he was in the lead. But just a few yards from the finish line. Y'all don't tell John I told this story. But John collapsed. I mean, he just fell. He, he ran out of gas. Well, we, we know Christians who run out of gas. We haven't made it to the finish line, and we fail in our lives, morally or otherwise. But Paul said we need to run the race with all of our heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. We need to run. Wait patiently on the Lord. Wait for his timing. But make sure that we finish well. Final point, walking with determination. They shall walk and not faint. An athlete must have not only speed, but endurance. Well, John Bateman didn't quite have enough endurance that day in, in, in that race. He didn't beat Steve Dwight like he coveted to. But that's all right. John's a good guy. He's going to install a light in my study one of these days. If he, he's a master electrician. So we need endurance. Living the Christian life demands endurance as well. 
The Bible is full of commands to Christians to be patient, to endure, not give up. Times of discouragement come, and we truly want to give up. It is at those times we must keep our eye on the goal. We must never forget God is our God. He is our everlasting God. He is our creator. And when those times come, we just keep our eye on the goal. We never give up. And Paul, again in Philippians chapter 3, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, to have attained. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, let us as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. And uh, he said, let us walk. Walk and not be weary. Walk, don't give up. And uh, you've got a goal. God has given each of us a goal in our life. To be like Jesus is the ultimate goal for us. Let's not be those who forsake the goal, who give up, who turn aside. Paul went on to talk about in Philippians chapter 3, but many walk of whom I've told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, who mind earthly things. We don't want to have that kind of walk, but we want to walk with Jesus. We want to be like him. We want to seek his will and to the best of our ability, do his will. Fly high like an eagle, but run and not be weary. Walk and not faint. May God help us today to learn from Isaiah as Isaiah learned from God. Brother Dennis is going to come and lead us in.